This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome back to the Morning Beat. It's Thursdays now. AJ Gibson is still out and we're wishing him well. But we have one of my very favorite therapists joining us. I literally attribute so much of my therapy success to her. You may know her from VH1. I felt starstruck when I met her, honey. And now she's my friend. Dr. Jen Mann is joining us. Good morning. Hello, it's so good to be here. I love when you're here and I feel so excited because I feel like there's so many topics that need to be covered that literally need so much therapist insight, including uh, at the top of this hour, this Amber Heard Johnny Depp case. And I don't want you to give your full expertise yet, but it's really crazy and bringing up the conversation that men can be victims as well. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about, I, we, we may have to turn off the music for the next few hours. <laughs> there is so much this, I mean, this trial is full of interesting topics to probe. And as you know, I actually started out my career working for the, the Los Angeles Commission on Assaults Against Women as a rape and domestic violence counselor. So I have a, a lot of experience and a lot of insight about the dynamics between this couple and also, as you know, and most people know from VH1 Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen, a lot of insight about celebrity couples. So we've got a lot to cover. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, that's literally just like the first 15 minutes of the show. Like we have yeah. it going on. We also are talking about agoraphobia, which is something I wasn't so familiar with, but I think very common after the pandemic, especially. And then uh, we're going to dive into personality disorder. And then in the second hour, this is a very interesting conversation. One, I probably couldn't have had a year ago. Finding forgiveness for your parents and understanding that they're just human beings. We're going to really dive into that. And then, of course, we're going to end the day with a really great tell me something good story to keep you rejuvenated and feeling great as one woman is headed to space. Find out why it's so special. But for now, let's do a little bit of news on the beat. So a teacher in Sarasota County, Florida, said that he was forced to take down his rainbow coexist flag shortly after the state's don't say gay law was signed. Jerry Baldwin teaches social studies at Booker High School, and he has flown the flag in his classroom for four years without encountering any problems. 
Coexist flags and symbolism are a state against religious and conflict and the letters of the word are usually written out with symbols of different religions. The rainbow is often a symbol of LGBTQ pride. Baldwin said that he flew it to make sure students felt comfortable and welcome in his classroom. It is just something that's meant to be there and kind of give the room an ambiance that everyone is welcome and we are just going to get along and coexist. But shortly after Governor Ron DeSantis signed the state's Don't Say Gay Law, Baldwin was told to take it down because it's political in nature. The Don't Say Gay Law bans discussions of sexual orientation and gender identity in younger grades and requires them to be developmentally appropriate in order in other grades. Uh, Those terms aren't really defined in the vague law that empowers parents to sue if they feel that the law was violated. All right, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 66 in LA today, 85 in Vegas, 88 in Palm Springs, 84 in Houston, 60 in San Francisco, 45 in Cleveland, 90 in La Quinta, and 84 in Dallas. Now, before Dr. Jen gives a really fabulous vibe of the day, I do want to remind you something so fun is happening. Channel Q presents our second annual Divas in the Desert, starring the Tell It to My Heart Diva, the one and only Taylor Dane, Thursday, May 19th. 7 to 10 p.m. at the Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Divas in the Desert is our fundraising event benefiting DAP Health and the Coachella Valley LGBTQ Center. It's going to be so much fun. Rosemary Galore and friends will be joining us for a fun drag show. Plus, I'll be performing some new songs off my upcoming album. And then, of course, uh, capping the night will be our special guest, Taylor Dane. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Keep it tuned here for your chance to win your way in. Channel Q's Divas in the Desert a fun night for a great cause. Now, Dr. Jen, do you have a vibe for us? I do, but I'm very excited about Taylor Dane. <laughs> I mean, who's not excited about Taylor Dane? We love uh, Taylor. I, come on, like the 80s, my favorite music. I okay, know. here's my, my vibe of the day. And I know, Michaela, you are going to love this. Um, here is my vibe. Personal growth is misleading because it sounds like it's going to be fun. But if we called it deliberately making yourself so uncomfortable, it'll feel like you're dying. Nobody would do it. And we'd be totally, well, I don't think I can say this word uh, on the radio, uh, but you can imagine. Yes, yeah, <laughs> We'd be totally messed up. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell listen, this is just full transparency. I am so uncomfortable yet again. And I had to have a conversation with my partner yesterday. I said, I think I'm going through it. I got to cry. And she goes, okay, well, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I just, there's a lot of uncomfortable growth happening and I need to cry about it. And she was like, okay, great, cry. It's rough. They don't tell you the harder parts. Uh, all right. right? It's, and, and, you know, I think that a lot of the time we want to stay in our comfort zone and we want to avoid stuff and we, we can avoid it really easily in this culture by looking at our phone, by turning on the TV, by working, by drinking, by smoking, by, you know, there's just a lot of options we have that yeah. allow us to avoid our feelings and, and doing the work. And it's, it's tough and it's painful when you're doing it. It absolutely is, but I will say, take it from me, it's so much better on the other side. All right, coming up, the Amber Heard Johnny Depp case shows men can be victims. So how do you know if you're in a toxic relationship? We discuss with Dr. Jen Mann coming up in seven minutes. Good morning, B. Channel Q. Okay, so we've all been talking about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp and the fact that they're suing each other. It seems like the relationship obviously was very toxic, but what's being brought up 
is that men can be abused as well. Oftentimes, we look at the woman and we side with the woman, but as details are coming out, not only does it appear super toxic, it appears like Johnny Depp may not fully be in the wrong here. So how do you know if you're in a toxic relationship? I'm so grateful to have Dr. Jen Mann joining us this entire show. Uh, We're going to dig deep. So Dr. Jen, first, I want to get your opinion on this Amber Heard, Johnny Depp case and the abuse that men can suffer, especially when it's not normalized, because it feels like he could also be getting deeply emasculated. Well, look, this is a very, very complicated situation, and it's also very hard to know what's true. And also different people have different memories of things. And and look, I have to preface with all of this with and as someone who worked for a domestic violence hotline, that violence is never, ever acceptable in a relationship ever and that it should not be part of one if you're in a relationship where someone has laid a hand on you pushed you slapped you punched you thrown you up against a wall any of that then that is toxic and you need to find a way to exit safely and and it's very important to also note on that that when people leave a violent relationship the odds of being killed go up exponentially so when you do leave you need to make an exit plan i I really recommend calling up a domestic violence hotline to get some advice on how to do that to speak to a professional in order to leave it safely because once someone who is violent has nothing to lose because you're gone or they feel abandoned by you which is typically a trigger in violent relationships then you never know what they will do. So now regarding men as subjects of domestic violence instead of perpetrators, you know, the the stats show that one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. I don't know how much of that actually is in self-defense, how much of that is that they have initiated either way. Anytime, again, there's domestic violence in a relationship that is totally, totally unacceptable. And I think that that this whole Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing is very, very complicated. And, and it's important to also keep in mind that he sued the son in the UK uh, because they referred to him as a white beater and he lost. Yeah, so crazy. this is important information. And sometimes, and I don't know, because th- look, this case is so messy and what what we have seen so far is a, a horrific accounting of a very volatile, very sick relationship between two people who cross lines who that never ever should have been crossed. These these people should have never been together. And once they were together and things started to go so horribly awry, this should have ended a long, long time ago. Well, Dr. Jen, I want to take this to our listeners now. I know that you wrote this brilliant article uh, talking about what you should look for to see if you're in a toxic relationship. So there are three tips uh, that you gave that I think our listeners should know. So can we start with some of those uh, on how to find out if you possibly are in a toxic relationship? And, and look, I gave 12 tips in the article, but I'm going to give three just off the bat, three three biggies. The first is addiction or compulsive behavior and an unwillingness to get help. 
Look, mm. I think that when someone is clean and sober working a 12-step program, that makes for a great partner because that's someone who is really working on themselves, who has a support system, who's accountable. But when there is addiction or compulsivity, emotional intimacy just can't exist. And it tends to be a much more volatile relationship. The second is a lack of character. You, know, you can teach relationship skills, or I as a therapist can teach relationship skills to people, but you just can't teach character. And having a moral compass is not something that you can make some, someone do. They either have it or they don't. And when you are dealing with a full-grown adult partner, you should not have to teach impulse control, integrity, mm -hmm. kindness, or compassion. That if your partner does not have that already, you just can't teach that to them. And then third, especially in light of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, abuse. Any abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, sexual, is just totally unacceptable in a relationship. If your partner has hit you once, there is always the possibility that they will do it again. And you'll never be free to be totally honest with the partner again. If you suspect that you're in danger, do not pass go. Don't attempt to diagnose your relationship. Just prioritize getting out and being safe. Absolutely your, your number one priority. And it's it's just totally unacceptable in a relationship. Dr. Jen, you're so amazing. With just a minute left, I want to sort of <clears throat> focus on same-sex relationships. Oftentimes, if a girl hits another girl, is that still domestic abuse as opposed to hetero relationships? Oftentimes, yeah. it's looked at as not. Yes, 100%. And I agree with you. And I, and I see too many times where in same-sex relationships, somehow it's justified because, well, we're physically equal. Like, right. well, you know, we're, we're both as strong, we're both the same height, we're both the same gender. It does not matter what the gender is of each of the people. Violence is unacceptable. Pushing, shoving, hitting, slapping, strangling, any, no one should ever lay hands on anyone. Dr. Jim Mann, you're so wonderful. Thank you for those amazing tips. Uh, now coming up, Kim Bassinger is opening up about living with crippling agoraphobia. Is this more common now since the lockdown and something you could be suffering from? We'll discuss together next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here 
on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. Okay, so the love I had for LA Confidential, I saw the movie in theaters with my grandma. I was probably nine years old and it was very inappropriate. But I thought... Kim Basinger was so beautiful and elegant. I adored her. And it turns out uh, that there's a reason why we haven't seen her for the past 14 years. In an interview she did with Red Table Talk uh, coming out soon, she talks about a crippling fear of leaving her home. Take a listen. I wouldn't leave the house. I would no longer go to dinner. And it's really horrible to feel that it one as as really fiercely as I did during those years, right. you know, and not know what it was. It's like something just completely shuts down within you and you have to relearn everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I had to relearn to drive. Right, right. And for many years, I would not go through the tunnels at Malibu. Yeah. Wow. Everything used to make me nervous, like the glass going to open the door or where do I step to open the door? Everything became a big job to figure out how to do it. You live with a dry mouth all the time. Mm. You're very shaky. You're just so exhausted all the time. So what she's talking about is agoraphobia, something I think that we're going to see more of since the pandemic. I wasn't exactly sure what it was or so familiar. So I'm so happy that Dr. Jen, you're on. Now you uh, were on Good Morning America yesterday talking about agoraphobia. So what do we need to know and how do we know if we're suffering and if it's not just anxiety that we're dealing with? Absolutely. Well, first of all, like you said, I'm seeing more and more people since the pandemic hit and since we have been in lockdown who are developing agoraphobia. And what agoraphobia is, at at the base of it, it is an anxiety disorder. And people who are suffering from it, they are afraid, they avoid places or situations that might cause them to panic, to feel trapped, to feel helpless or embarrassed. And If you're someone who hasn't been through this and you're unfamiliar with it, well, okay, well, what is there to be afraid of? Why would you feel trapped? Well, some of the common fears are things like public transportation, open areas, enclosed spaces, standing online, being in a crowd, like anything from if you live in New York and you're taking the subway or even just leaving the house can be incredibly fearful and anxiety provoking. And one of the things that makes it worse is that the panic attacks oftentimes lead to more panic attacks because people have one and then they become so scared they're going to have another that it actually creates another panic attack, just the anxiety that it could happen again. And a lot of the time people don't realize that this typically starts in the late teens, early 20s, but but most often before the age of 35, more common in women than in men, but men can get it as well. And the thing that's even more important than any of that is that it's treatable, that the combination of therapy and oftentimes medication, but not even necessarily, sometimes just therapy alone can do it, but therapy and medication can be incredibly, incredibly effective. I think it's interesting that you said that women uh, 35 and older uh, could get it because I'm 34 and I always think like I'm so young. And then 
35, you're like, oh, wow, like this really is happening. So if you feel like this is something that you're suffering from, because I will say when I was 19, there was a moment where I refused to leave the house. I wouldn't drive. I physically couldn't get myself to do just very minimal basic things. It did end up going away or I just shoved it down and it's more trauma I'm working through in therapy. Nobody knows. Um, And so, (laughs) so what are the steps you should take if it's something you're concerned about? Get therapy. That's the most important thing. And sometimes people say, well, I can't afford therapy. But what most people don't realize is that Everyone can afford therapy, and here's why. In order to become a therapist, all therapists have to do 3,000 hours under supervision where they don't get paid. So there are mental health clinics all around this country where you can be seen based on your ability to pay, and sometimes that's a dollar or sometimes it's $20, but it is available to people. Now, granted, right now there are a lot of waiting lists for therapy since the pandemic has hit. Mental health for most people has really crashed, but- there are opportunities to get help and to get it at a low cost. And I, and it's look, agoraphobia is an anxiety disorder and it's very, very treatable. So if you're, if you're struggling with this, get help, get help. And like Dr. Jen said, if you feel like you can't afford it, you can. I often run into that. My therapist that I see said, instead of dealing with other people's drama in a very kind way, just say, oh, what does your therapist say? Or, oh, you should go to therapy. And when I do, I met a lot. Isn't that great? I don't have to deal with anything anymore. I'm like, oh, what does your therapist say? But a lot of people meet me with, well, it's too expensive. Well, I don't know where to go. So I love that. Maybe we could take those resources, Vanessa, put them on the website and on our uh, social media so people can go if they need that. Now, coming up, Amber Heard is being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. But what does that mean? And is it more common? Again, Dr. Jen Mann has all the answers and what's popping. Good morning, B. Channel Q. Okay, so if you just missed our segment, we talked about agoraphobia, which um, is treatable, but something that people need to be more aware about. Uh, But with Amber Heard, it's now being alleged that she's suffering from borderline personality disorder. We're covering it in what's popping. So with having Dr. Jen Mann here, I want to get right to you about exactly what borderline personality is and why it differs from maybe bipolar or um, schizophrenia and also how they're able to assess that this what she may be suffering from just based off the way she dresses. Okay. So there are a few things that people need to know about borderline personality disorder. There are about like nine traits that are looked at in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. And you don't have to have all of them. I think it's something like five or six out of the, the nine. But here's here's what they are. Uh, frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment by people that you love. Uh, unstable personal relationships. And typically, they alternate between idealization, putting someone on a pedestal, and devaluation, which is when you are just like, you go from thinking they are amazing to just kind of thinking they are a worthless piece of poop. Um, Then three, distorted and unstable self-image, and that can affect a person's moods, their values, their opinions, their goals, their relationships, everything. Then fourth is, and this is a biggie, impulsive behaviors that can have dangerous outcomes. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing this a lot in this trial. And that this can also lead into 
compulsive behaviors like spending um, or unsafe sex, reckless driving, substance abuse, stuff like that. Then another big one for borderline personality disorder is self-harming behaviors. And that can be threats of suicide. It can be actual suicide attempts. It can be self-harming behavior, cutting, things like that. Another is periods of intense depressed mood or irritability or anxiety that can last anywhere from hours to days. Mood swings are like a huge, huge borderline trait. Um, Also chronic feelings of boredom or emptiness, kind of just feeling just empty and unsatisfied. And then this, this is a big, this is kind of one of the hallmarks of borderline personality disorder, inappropriate, intense, or uncontrollable anger. And a lot of the time that's followed by shame or guilt, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes people feel very justified in their rage that they inflict on others. And then the other is disassociative feelings, kind of disconnecting from thoughts, sense of identity, kind of feeling like you're out of body. And now sometimes that can be a reflection of trauma a person has Mm. experienced. And sometimes it can be just a sign of a borderline. Now, Dr. Jen, with the last 30 seconds, is this something that's treatable? And is it only treated with medication or can you treat it through therapy? You ask a very complex question for 30 seconds, but basically <laughs> a, a, a psychoanalyst that I that I know used to say that when we're talking about personality disorders, it's like changing the grooves in a record as opposed to changing the song. And some people are too young to remember what actual records were like, but changing a personality disorder is a much more intensive therapy experience that sometimes combines therapy and medication, but it is not a quick fix. It is years of therapy, but I do believe, and I have seen in my own experience as a therapist, people make dramatic changes, but they also have to be willing to recognize that there is a problem and be motivated. Well, that's an amazing answer. Thank you, Dr. Jen Mann. And I feel triggered. So I think I have borderline person. I don't know. I have all the things you said. I have agoraphobia. I've got bipolar disorder. I, all the things. <laughs> no, I take that's that very seriously. That's what we do in grad school. They, they always say that when you go to grad school for psychology, you think you have everything that yeah. you study. Yeah, I'm like overthinking everything. I'm like, okay, great. That's me. All right, coming up in our next hour, we all have very unique relationships with our parents. How do you forgive them for mistakes they made and why it ultimately frees you? We discuss in our next hour. The Morning Beat. Channel Q. All right, welcome back to The Morning Beat. Now, AJ Gibson is out. He's not been feeling well, and we send him big love, but we have the opportunity to have Dr. Jen Mann co-hosting this morning. You probably remember her from VH1. I know that I do because I was very starstruck, and now I get to call her my friend. I'm so thankful for it, but... I will say this hour we're having a really important conversation about finding forgiveness for your parents and truly understanding they're human. When I first met you, I think we talked in depth about the relationship that I had with my parents and you met me with so much empathy and understanding and no judgment and validation. And I feel like that's what kick-started the opportunity for me to find forgiveness. And to be honest, I finally texted my mom uh, last week and we're starting slow, but it seems like there is room for forgiveness. Uh, It's tough between a parent and a child, I think. I'm not a mom. I know you are. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that forgiveness is a very, very complicated issue. And um, 
I want to caution people that sometimes, especially in this culture we live in, there's this whole thing of like, oh, you should forgive and that's the, the good thing to do or the godly thing to do. And I think we have to be really careful. And, and you know, what's, what's right for one person isn't necessarily right for another person. And I think there's also, there's a really big difference. I, I am... I have a very different take on forgiveness than most therapists. I, I am not one that is really big on forgiveness for the sake of forgiveness. But what I do believe in is you letting what, go Dr. of the- Jen, I want you to hold off because I don't want our listeners to hear all the goods yet because we're going to talk okay. about this in a full segment. And I agree with you. I think your take is different than yes. other therapists that I've heard from. But your take, yes. I feel like, ultimately made me feel so free. So we're going to talk yes. about that, the words that you gave me. And also when it comes to your parents, we're also going to be discussing a man falling in love with a hologram. Now, although unconventional, it might make sense. And then, of course, we're talking uh, what's popping Jada Pinkett Smith admits she's suffering from anxiety find out why it started even before the will smith drama but for now let's get into a little bit of news on the beat the lgbtq organization hrc is welcoming people to the state of florida with new billboards that draw attention to the state's don't say gay law governor Ron DeSantis welcomes you to florida the don't say gay or trans state the billboard reads the don't say gay or trans part is written over sunshine since florida Florida's official nickname is the Sunshine State. Florida's don't say gay or trans law is outrageous and discriminatory. It needs to be repealed immediately, said Joni Madison, interim president of HRC. Florida cannot be considered the Sunshine State when Governor Ron DeSantis is putting so many of its constituents in harm's way. Three billboards with the message were put up on April 21st in Orlando. All right, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 52 in Boston today, 84 in Dallas, 90 in La Quinta, a high of 79 in Atlanta, 60 in San Francisco, 84 in Houston, 88 in Palm Springs, and 85 in Vegas. Now, before Dr. Jen gives her vibe of the day, I want to remind everybody, Channel Q presents our second annual Divas in the Desert, starring the Tell It to My Heart Diva, the one and only Taylor Dane. Thursday, May 19th, 7 to 10 p.m. at the Morongo Casino Resort. Resort and Spa Divas in the Desert is our fundraising event benefiting DAP Health and the Coachella Valley LGBTQ Center. It's going to be so much fun. Rosemary Galore and friends will be joining us for a fun drag show. Plus, I'll be singing some songs from my upcoming album. And then, of course, our Queen Taylor Dane will take the stage. Now, tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Keep it tuned here for your chance to win your way in. Channel Q's Divas in the Desert, a fun night for a great cause. Now, Dr. Jen, give us a vibe of the day. Straight from my Instagram, you can't change someone who doesn't see an issue in their actions. Boy, that's a tough one. Well, sometimes that's (laughs) what it is with our parents. Yep. So true. So true. So we're going to talk about it. Finding forgiveness for your parents, even if they don't see what they did was wrong and why it ultimately frees you. We'll have that discussion in seven minutes. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. 
Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. Okay, so oftentimes when we discuss stories about our parents, I've been very transparent with our audience. I just have a very toxic relationship with both of my parents, and it felt easier not to talk with them. Now in therapy, I'm learning that even the bigger thing to do is just learn how to forgive them. And I will be honest, there was a situation that happened a couple weeks ago where I just felt extreme empathy for my mom. And it was enough to sort of just rid the pain that I felt. And I was able to reach out to her. And she met me with a really simple apology and ultimately just saying, I did the best I could. I didn't have any of the tools. I will forever be sorry and I love you. And that validation really was enough for me. And ultimately, I think what people want, like, you don't want to rehash everything, but it does feel good when it's validated. But that's not the case all the time. So Dr. Jen Mann, as a therapist, as a mom, how do we... Have this conversation with our parents, even sometimes if we can't have the conversation, if they've passed, how do we get through this to enhance our lives? Well, I think that the experience you had with your mom was was a wonderful gift and that so many people who have really unhealthy relationships with their parents or very abusive parents dream of a a moment like that where there's just some acknowledgement of the pain that has been caused Mm -hmm. or abuse that has been inflicted or, you know, stuff that they have been through. And I'm really glad that you, that you got that. Like you said, not everyone gets that. And to me, forgiveness is something that is earned. And you've heard me talk about the four R's, which is remorse, the person taking responsibility, recognition, and remedy, like a plan to not do it in the future. And here's the thing. To me, there's a really big difference between what we traditionally call forgiveness, which is kind of saying like, it's okay. We are, we're resolved. I've, I've let go of it. I, I forgive you for that behavior. It's, it's all right. And then to me, there's a, there's a whole other category, which is letting go of the anger. And I don't think you have to kind of forgive someone in the traditional sense of forgiveness in order to let go of the anger. I think that coming to the understanding on your own of, hey, this wasn't about me. This is about that other person's pathology. This is about their issues. And I think that one of the toughest things about letting go of childhood pain when it comes to a parent is that... Children are what we call egocentric, and that's not narcissism. Egocentric means that kids think that everything that happens 
in their childhood is about them. If mom or dad is abusive, I must be a bad kid. I must not be lovable. Mm -hmm. There must be something wrong with me. We tend to internalize that, which is what causes us problems later in life. And it's not even a conscious thing that we do necessarily. And so part of the, the issue is that when parents treat us badly and we then internalize that, that 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 impacts our, our relationships. And it's very possible to let go of the anger while also saying like, that was unacceptable. And there are certain things that parents do, unfortunately, that is just unacceptable and isn't forgivable in the sense of saying, that's okay, don't worry about it, we've moved on. And, and I think that your mom was able to show remorse. She was able to take responsibility. She was able to recognize how she harmed you. And she, it sounds like she really wants to move forward in, in a different way. And that's, that's a wonderful gift. I agree, Dr. Jen. I will say, uh, as far as my dad goes, and I think listeners can relate to this as well, I had a very different reaction with my dad. We tried to go to therapy. Um, it felt like it was pointless because he's just very stuck in his own beliefs. Um, and I felt like when I was explaining stories that happened, he not only said they didn't, I felt like there was a lot of gaslighting happening. And I really had to stay, take a step back and like look at the situation. So when a kid is dealing with with their parent and it has an adverse reaction where they're saying, well, that didn't happen. How do you move on from that? And do you shut them out of your lives because they're choosing to be delusional or continue having hard conversations? And, and you bring up such a great question. And I see this so often. And when you have a parent who is gaslighting, who's denying that it happened, who's minimizing what happened, who it, all that kind of stuff, that is so unhealthy. And is, as a therapist, to me, you have a couple of options. At one is to have a very limited relationship where you have really fantastic boundaries and not everyone has the ability to do that or has had enough therapy to do that. Or sometimes the best thing is to not have a relationship with that person. If someone can't even acknowledge in any way, shape or form that they did you wrong, it's having a relationship with them is like an invitation for them to harm you more. Right. You, there need be a level of insight in order to not do further harm. And if the person that that you have a relationship with who has historically done you harm can't even recognize, can't even say, yeah, you know what? I wish I had done this differently. Or I don't blame you for, for being upset with me. Or of course that caused you pain. If they can't even acknowledge it, they're just going to do it again. So it's not in your best interest to have a relationship, especially a relationship where your heart is open with a person like that. That's not good self-care. Now, with just about a minute left, I know a lot of people um, have had parents that have passed away before they were able to tell them that they were gay or before they had an opportunity to do make wrongs right. How does a person find forgiveness without the opportunity? Is it writing a letter? What are some tips? Well, I think that a combination of um, therapy, journaling, bibliotherapy, reading books about whatever is the issue, the core issue in the relationship, all that sort of stuff is is really helpful. And ultimately, you have to make peace with the relationship. And, and a lot of the time, what happens is that as adults, we are able to kind of take a step back. And sometimes the death of a parent allows us to take that step back and go, oh, wait, they did the best that they could. 
they just kind of sucked. They just yeah. didn't have skills. They didn't have tools. They were pathological. And when we're able to recognize that the parents' abusive behavior was not a reflection of us as children or as human beings, but a reflection of them and their pathology, mm-hmm. oftentimes that is what allows us to let go of some of the anger and the hatred that we can feel as a result of of abuse that has been inflicted. Absolutely. Dr. Jen Mann, thank you so much for having that conversation with us. Now, coming up, a man falls in love with a hologram. Although unconventional, find out why it might make sense. We discuss next. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. Okay, so at first when I saw this story, I felt very judgmental. But I want to stay open-minded because it's my favorite thing about Dr. Jen Mann. Fictosexual. If you've never heard of it, uh, apparently a man wed a fictional computer-synthesized pop singer four years ago. She's not real, but his feelings are. But he's now saying he's unable to communicate with his wife, but he's still in love with her. Akiko Kondo was dating. Hatsune Miko, depicted in pop culture as a 16-year-old with turquoise hair for a decade before they had an unofficial wedding ceremony in 2018. Kondo, one of many who identifies as fictosexual or someone who is sexually attracted to fictional characters, spent 2 million yen or about $17,000 on the nuptials, but his family did not attend. Okay, so this is very interesting. My opinion is, if it's not harming anybody, it's really not my business. And the world can be harsh. If he's in love with this fictional character that probably doesn't give him a hard time about himself, it might be the easier way out. Do you know what I'm saying? But I want to come to you, Dr. Jen. Like, she's nice to him. She doesn't say anything. You're like, there's no relationship conflict. Yeah, nothing. They see eye to eye. Exactly. She's 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 just a hologram, basically, or in, in part of the article, they talk about how once the hologram, I guess the company that that created the hologram changed some of their technology. And so she, he was no longer able to communicate with her. So then he was walking around the stuffed doll of her. And, and look, here's what I'm going to say. And I, I and look, obviously, we're on the radio talking about it. So it's our job to analyze it and and I like to go deep. My take on this is that this is someone who has some serious issues about emotional intimacy mm. and that this is really just a symptom of that problem because he is having a relationship with someone who does not exist. That is his primary relationship, his primary attachment and where his sexual energy is going. And the fact that he has a quote unquote wife that is not a real person and that he feels this level of attachment. And it sounds like his other relationships are suffering as a result. He had this wedding. His family didn't attend only kind of strangers who are into this victo sexual thing attended to me. That really raises a question of, okay, who are his friends? What's his attachment style? What are his relationships like? How capable is he of having relationships with real live people? How capable is he of having a emotional relationship with a live human person that has flaws? And look, you and I, we could talk for hours about how difficult and challenging it can be to have relationships with real human beings. Oh my God, who yes. are 
flawed in their own way and how how much work we have to do on ourselves in order to have healthy relationships. And I think this is a guy who doesn't at this stage in his life have the stamina to do that kind of work. So it's easier to marry a fictional character that doesn't exist. I mean, listen, I had to have a really big conversation with Lisa yesterday and I had to like show up and I couldn't rely on old behaviors. And at that point, I think I could have happily dated a fictional character than sit in the discomfort (laughs) I was feeling. But I I do. Oh, you girl. I I was like, okay, Lisa, I gotta get it. I validate you. But uh, but it was a good conversation. But do you think that when uh, people rely on these fictional characters or um, I don't want to bring in like Furbies or anything else, but... um, like characters that just aren't real, is it a sense of like maybe childhood trauma where they just were not accepted, loved, uh, understood as a child? Or could this be like just a very functional thing where they're like, listen, 2020 happened. I hate everybody and I'm going to date fictional now because I feel that. I, I, hear yeah, that. I don't think it's super functional. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, I get we're not supposed to judge, but you know what? There, there's something that that is very off to me about it. And there's to me, there it, this is a sign of an inability to attach and form meaningful relationships with with live humans. And oftentimes that is a result of something that happened in in childhood. Um, And, you know, I would love to see this guy get some therapy. And I I hope that he does, especially given that he is now married to a fictional character who, because of the technology having changed in the company that she that developed her, she can no longer speak. Not that she was really speaking with him anyway. It was it was IT. It was she it had was, bad Wi Fi. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> well, I hear that, and I do. I agree with you. I don't want to judge. It's a little dysfunctional. Uh, all right. Coming yeah. up, Jada Vinkett Smith admits she suffers from anxiety. Find out why it started before the slap heard around the world. But if people are really feeling empathetic towards her, and what's popping? The Morning Beat with A.J. Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of what's up poppin'. I'm loving the energy of this show today as it's Therapy Thursdays, and there's a lot of things that we need to address, but we can't do it without Dr. Jen. So uh, Jada Pinkett-Smith is revealing she recently discovered she has anxiety. She talked about this on a Red Table Talk. She said it was before the slap drama stemming from the 2022 Oscars. She says, I never identified it as anxiety. I'm sorry, that's what her mother Jada Pinkett's mother, Adrian, said, but Jada said she used to bite her fingernails, chew her cuticles, um, and she didn't realize that it was anxiety until raising her own daughter. Now, I'm going to throw a wrench in this because I feel like Jada Pinkett Smith, while I agree with therapy, I mean, uh, anxiety, because I suffer from it, she's taking a lot of heat for the way that she also handled the slap heard around the world. Do you think she's looking for a little bit of Empathy. I don't want to go there, but I want to bring it to you for conversation's sake. Well, I think also to me, the other thing that was really revealing about this interview is that her her daughter, Willa, was talking about some like pretty acute anxiety. Like she described like rolling on the floor and howling and like pain and like just like such terrible anxiety and to me, that was kind of the bigger story, right? It seems like the focus is on Jada Pinkett Smith. But to me, it sounds like her daughter really suffered. And Jada's kind of saying, well, I suffer from anxiety. I bit my cuticles. 
And so I didn't really recognize, I didn't know what it is, what it was, but it sounds like her daughter had a pretty severe case of, um, of anxiety. And to me, that's almost the the bigger story in this. You know, just from your perspective, I feel like Jada Pinkett Smith, I, I just don't like the way that she handled it. And then with uh, Will Smith and looking back at photos and just looking back at body language and looking back at things that she said, uh, and then really kind of feeling like she's taking this moment away from her child who's suffering from severe anxiety, whether she means to or not. It's interesting that she holds this red table talk where it's like open discussion, wokeness, really going there. But if she sort of also feels like kind of narcissistic. Yeah, and that, you know, it's interesting. I always look at kind of the comments in, in different articles to see kind of what is the consensus? How are people taking this? And obviously different sites attract different kinds of people who have different takes on things and there are some trends. But I did look at the, a lot of the comments were exactly what you're saying. I was like, oh, boo-hoo, like, oh, I bit my cuticles and like, oh, she's just looking for, for sympathy and people really not liking the way she handled the, the slap. And, and, you know, there's also a lot of criticism going back to the slap. And that's a whole other topic of, you know, what kind of led up to that? Why was, why did he feel the need to do that? And a lot of people are talking about kind of the issues that have have been talked about both in the past and more recently about their open relationship and kind of this sense that, it appears from some of what has been written about it that she was the one who pushed for the open relationship and that perhaps he didn't really want it and there was some resentment yeah. in the family and when they had the whole red table talk where she talked about the affair i mean i guess it's not really an affair because it was an open relationship but it was clear when she talked about the sexual dalliance that she had with one of her kids adult friends that there was there was clearly some hurt feelings from will smith yeah that he was clearly unresolved about it and you know look i think it's a very interesting dynamic we could spend three hours i know i'm like listen we'll take it into the next segment i love it i think your perspective is so amazing and it's always nice to have a therapist really join this conversation Uh, but one thing that we want to talk about in the next hour is heterophobia real and is it something you may suffer from even subconsciously we're going to talk in depth in the next hour good morning b channel q Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's Therapy Thursdays, and A.J. Gibson is out. He's not feeling so good. We sent him love, but we've got my girl, Dr. Jen Mann, joining us. You may remember her from VH1. Uh, She gives some of the best advice and really has been for the community before I think it was a trend or cool. I mean, really showing up for us, and for that, we're so grateful. Uh, We're having a very interesting conversation this hour, talking about heterophobia and if it's real uh are the straights feeling left out or are the gays being heterophobic uh dr jen and i i feel like are vibing the same way but we're gonna have a specialist on this associate professor of history join us to talk about uh what this article means Uh, also if you've missed any conversations that we've had about agoraphobia today or forgiving your parents it was a really insightful show so i recommend going to weirdchannelq.com download our podcast so for now let's do a little news on the beat Uh, A teacher in Sarasota County, Florida said that he was forced to take down his rainbow coexist flag shortly after the state's Don't Say Gay law was signed. 
Jeremy Baldwin teaches social studies at Booker High School, and he has flown the flag in his classroom for four years without encountering any problems. Coexist flags and symbolism are a statement against religious conflict, and the letters of the word are usually written out with the symbols of different religions. The rainbow is often a symbol of LGBTQ pride. Baldwin said that he flew it to make sure students feel comfortable and welcome in his classroom. Is it just something that's meant to be there and kind of give the room an ambiance that everyone is welcome and we are just going to get along and coexist, he said. But shortly after Governor Ron DeSantis signed the state's Don't Say Gay Law, Baldwin was told to take it down because it's political in nature. The Don't Say Gay Law bans discussions of sexual orientation and gender identity in younger grades and requires them to be developmentally appropriate in order grades. Those terms aren't really defined in the vague law that empowers parents to sue if they feel that the law was violated. All right, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 84 in Vegas, 88 in Palm Springs, 83 in Houston, 59 in San Francisco, 45 in Cleveland, 90 in La Quinta, 84 in Dallas, and 52 in Boston. Now, before Dr. Jen hits us with the vibe, I want to remind you the party is just starting this summer. Channel Q presents our second annual Divas in the Desert, starting to tell it to my heart, Diva, the one and only Taylor Dane, Thursday, May 19th, 7 to 10 p.m. at the Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Divas in the Desert is our fundraising event benefiting DAP Health and the Coachella Valley LGBTQ Center. So much fun. Rosemary Glor and friends will be joining us for a fun drag show. Plus, I'll be singing some songs from my upcoming album. And then we'll end the night with a special performance by Taylor Dane. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Keep it tuned here for your chance to win your way in. Channel Q's Divas in the Desert, a fun night for a great cause. Now, Dr. Jen, give us a vibe of the day. Okay, my vibe of the day straight from my Instagram is sometimes the things that break your heart end up fixing your vision. Oh, I love that. A more positive outlook on heartbreak. So true. Love that. So true. And it, it, it applies to not just romantic relationships, but like friendships and family and conflicts and everything. I think that a lot of the time our pain opens our eyes to things that we needed to see anyway. I love that. All right, coming up, is heterophobia real and is it something that you may suffer from? Associate Professor of History joins us to discuss in seven minutes. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. Okay, so this is a fascinating conversation that I'm so happy to have with Dr. Jen Mann. We're talking heterophobia and is it real? We're joined with Rebecca L. Davis, Associate Professor of History at the University of Delaware, who writes and teaches about the histories of sexuality, gender, religion, and American culture. She's the producer of the Sexing History Podcast. And according to this article, it's something that I was completely unaware of, heterophobia being something that sort of feels similar to like all lives matter. And we're like, no, black lives matter because they need equality. The straights are feeling bad about themselves. Talk to us about what heterophobia is. Hi, uh, thanks for having me on to talk about this. Yeah. So I, like you, I had never heard the term um, until I was actually at a job interview. I, I gave a talk and there was a Q&A session and based on what my research was on, someone, uh, a member, it was a, for an, a job at a history department and a member of the department, a, a 
professor asked, you know, was my work an example of heterophobia? Was I heterophobic? And I had never heard the word before and had to kind of realize, oh, wait, he's asking me if I'm a lesbian and he means that in a sort of negative way. Like, am I going to come into this job and try to, I don't know, corrupt minds or something? Um, So that was my personal experience with it. And so it's, it's a word that actually the first instance of it that I can find is from uh, a book criticizing the Kinsey reports, criticizing um, comprehensive sex education, um, and th- basically saying that to teach kids about homosexuality, to teach kids that there are many ways to be sexually expressive and different kinds of sexualities is to be criticizing heterosexuality and is to be means that you're promoting um, homosexuality as a preferable way of life. Super interesting. Dr. Jen, I'd love for you to chime in because according to this article, pundit David Horowitz, who the Southern Poverty Law Center identifies as a purveyor of hate speech, once questioned why an anthropology professor's course about reducing prejudice included a discussion of homophobia, but not of heterophobia. Now, Dr. Jen, you are an incredible ally, but you are straight. How does this article make you feel? Like Rebecca was saying that somehow if you are talking about anything but heterosexual sex, it's somehow there's an agenda to me is disturbing and bizarre. Becca, you are part of the community. Um, did you end up taking the job? Were you able to have this conversation on a broader uh, way with with the gentleman that asked? I mean, how have you been able to sort of implement this message? Because it's so offensive. <laughs> right. Well, I did take the job and uh, it's been a wonderful job and I have a very, you know, I have a great career and a great department. Um, I'm really proud of the work that I do and have great admiration for the people I work with. It was it was challenging for me in personal ways because I felt uh, sexualized in the midst of, you know, trying to talk about my research. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people who work on gender and sexuality face in their professional lives. Um, But what, you know, what I've been able to do, which feels great, and I think is so important, is teach classes, especially for undergraduates, on the history of sexuality, where I really get to show them that the honest truth is that there's incredible diversity. The honest truth is that people have been expressing gender and sexuality and desires and identities so many different ways across time. And so that this idea that there is a tradition or a norm that we have to get back to is a fantasy. And it's great to be able to share that message with students. I never really had a conversation with that particular guy who asked the question. It didn't seem like it would really get me anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that what it reminds me so much of is the way that the, a lot of the, people who are complaining about so-called critical race theory, which really means just teaching U.S. history, um, are the same people who want to ban books about LGBTQ characters. And so a lot of this, like, heterophobia, anybody who thinks they might think that it's a real concept should ask why the people who invented the term and promote the term are also very often, like, white supremacists. So there's a lot of um, 
it's steeped in racism. It's steeped in this idea that if it's not white, cis, and straight, it's somehow a threat to to everyone else. Absolutely. I feel like there's misogyny also tied in there by sexualizing yeah. you while you're just trying to talk. You know, we have a minute left. Dr. Jen, can you talk about some of the PTSD that maybe could be? Thank God that you, Rebecca, are speaking on this, but I feel that it does go into uh, misogyny and how women deal in the workplace, just trying to get a job to be stripped of that. I mean, it's totally uncalled for, and this hits so many levels that are inappropriate. And and I think that, that Rebecca brings up such an important point about how so often women are sexualized and how, look, who we're sleeping with, who we love, what we do in our personal time is really irrelevant when it comes to a job interview. And it's it's pretty amazing that that she was asked that question in, in a job interview. And mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people and women in particular, but men as well and, and non-binary people as well who are asked questions that are clearly insinuating or blatantly asking about their sexual orientation or what their biases are. And I think that, you know, that it, it, it's out of line. That, that what Rebecca experienced was really out of line, but it speaks to kind of problems in our society in, in, in the bigger picture. Absolutely. Associate professor of history at the University of Delaware, a writer and teacher about the histories of sexuality, gender, religion, and American culture. Rebecca L. Davis, thank you so much for joining us, bringing this to our attention and to so many so that we can just continue uh, fighting the good fight. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Good morning, B. Channel Q. Okay, so I love that Ben Affleck and J-Lo were able to get back together. They seem really, really happy, and I love that for them. But I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and she said, Girl, I know he's toxic, and I know it's not right, but I feel close to the moon when I'm with him. What should I do? And I said, Leave, bitch. Do not go back to that ex. But unfortunately, (laughs) they still do. So Dr. Jen... Why do people go back to their exes and what are some questions they should be asking themselves before they do? You being an incredible therapist, you've covered this so many times. You actually have a list that people can uh, be able to get if they want to look more in depth. But talk to us about the idea behind all this. Look, I think a lot of the time we return to what is familiar. Sometimes we should not return to the scene of the crime. And we also sometimes we get lonely and it's just easier to go back to that familiar person, the devil we know, sometimes better than the devil we don't know. But um, it is it is typically not the best plan. And so here are some questions. If you're thinking about getting back with your ex that you should ask for yourself. One. Why did you break up in the first place? Two, are you idealizing your former partner and or the relationship? Three, this is really important. What has changed that makes you think that things will be different this time around? Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Four, what has your former partner done to become a more capable partner since the breakup? And look, I would also encourage you to ask yourself the same question. What have you done to become more capable as a partner since the breakup? Five, if trust was broken on either end, can you rebuild it? 
And six, are you both willing to do the work it takes to repair what didn't work before? And how will you make that work? Those are all really great questions. And of course, coming from you, it makes sense. But I feel like is it an issue of people just not willing to be honest with themselves? Because if you sit somebody down, you say, answer these. I feel like just when I'm talking to friends, I'm met with, um, okay, fine, but I don't care. And you're like, okay, well, okay. But that's different than, than not being honest with yourself. The truth is when someone says, you know, I just don't care, then sometimes they haven't suffered enough pain to have the strength to walk away from the relationship. And all you can do is encourage them to get therapy to explore what's going on. What like typically, what are you recreating from your childhood that you haven't worked through Mm. that you're doing in this relationship? Because that's what we tend to do over and over again. And when we're drawn to the same unhealthy relationship repeatedly, we have to look at what is going on with me? What is it about my history that makes me vulnerable to returning to something this unhealthy for me over and over again? Now, let's say that your relationship is fine. Uh, this will be the last question. Sometimes it's not always your ex-lover. Sometimes it's an ex-friend. Did the same rules apply? 100%. And I think that if you're going back to a friendship that was dysfunctional, painful, that didn't work for you in some way, Again, you're probably recreating something from your childhood, but you need to ask yourself, why did you distance yourself from this friend? What is going to be different now? Have you, has that person had therapy? Have you had therapy? Have you had a heart to heart talk where you really sat down and, and understood each other on a different level? Have you made boundaries with each other? And, and really discuss what the behavior was that was upsetting or concerning to either one of you and how to make sure that it's not going to happen again. I love that. Dr. Jen, man, you're so wonderful. Uh, But speaking of dysfunction and exes, one ex served his soon-to-be ex-wife with legal docs while she was on stage giving a speech. And we've got all the details. How would you handle it? Coming up in What's Poppin'. The Morning Beat. Channel Q. Okay, listen, I feel like so many of the conversations we had today could really benefit from my co-host and American psychotherapist, Dr. Jen Mann's book, The Relationship Fix, honey, because I read it and then I made Lisa read it and we were thriving. And I feel like that's what should be happening in What's Poppin'. Olivia Wilde uh, was in Vegas at Caesars Palace pushing her new film that she's directing with Harry Styles in it. And now she was up there looking like a goddess a mystery and env- a mystery envelope from a mystery man was placed on the stage and slid to her the person was unidentified but she picked up the envelope and asked is this for me it turns out it was deadline is reporting that the mystery envelope which was marked personal and confidential held custody papers from actor jason sudeikis wild's ex-boyfriend and the father of her two children now despite the awkward situation witnesses said wild handled the situation like a pro continued to talk up her film to the audience which was mostly theater exhibitors now jason sudeikis is saying that's not how he intended it to go down that it was the delivery services fault. This feels so problematic and strange to me, Dr. Jen. Yeah, I I find it very disturbing. And, you know, there are some of these services that 
um, that serve people that are more aggressive than others, this completely crosses the line. That that they are disturbing a professional in the midst of what is essentially like a meeting. It'd be like the equivalent of someone barging in on your company meeting and handing you an envelope. She is in the zone. She's presenting to people. I think that it is a, a bit of a psychological, not a bit, I think it's a psychological tactic. And I find it hard to believe that a service would do this unless they were instructed to do it. I would expect them to serve her when you walk off the stage. Here, you've been served. Okay, fine. Right. But it, it, it's amazing that as a mom and a professional that she was able to stay so composed and keep going on with her job. She's a clearly a true professional and it's quite stunning. Absolutely. I totally agree. Although it felt so problematic, kudos to Olivia Wilde. This is the first film that she's directed, which is such an honor. She is uh, should be so proud, like you said, being a mother and a woman in business, a woman in film. And honestly, this made Jason look so bad. You had a great suggestion. We're actually going to reach out to a delivery service uh, either for tomorrow's show or Monday show to discuss what is the protocol uh, if Jason has a point or if he's just a downright liar uh, we'll have that for you Tell me something good. All right, so we always like to end the show on a very positive note, and this story is really, really fabulous. NASA astronaut Jessica Watkins is on her way to the International Space Station for a historic debut spaceflight. Watkins, who's 33, will become the first black woman to embark on a long-duration mission at the space station, where she will live and conduct research in the microgravity laboratory as it orbits the Earth. She will also become the first black woman to do a spacewalk. Her trailblazing journey makes Watkins only the fifth black female astronaut to go to space. Mae Jemison was the first in 1992. Now, this is an amazing story, and I love it. It's also crazy to think that in 2022, only five black female astronauts have head to space. But, I mean, this is the representation that is do and this is such an exciting moment for her 33 is so young to be making this type of history so i think it's incredible now dr jen do you have a little sweet story for us i do and this is a very sweet story about a person who came out as trans to their mom and their mom's reactions is so sweet uh, and there's a little screenshot in the story about the, between the, the mother and adult child. And um, so the adult child says, um, the, the mom says, I like it. It'll take a bit to, to about their new name. Um, I like it. It'll take a bit to adjust to the new name. Glad you stayed Irish, LOL. And then the adult child says, thanks for being chill. And then the mom mm-hmm. says, I just love you, babe. Whatever makes you feel like you makes you makes me happy. Because that's all I want for you kids is what makes you happy. You have to live in that skin and it should feel like home. I love Very- that. A mother's love. Yeah. Yes. I adore that. Yeah. Well, a big thank you to Dr. Jen Mann. We actually talked about parents and your relationships with them. And so if you missed any of our conversations, you can always head on over to WeirdChannelQ.com where we turn into a podcast. Uh, Now, please stick around for three hours of curated music just for you. And then, of course, Shira and Ryan's Let's Go There. And then finish your night off with Dr. Chris's Love Line. Tomorrow's Friday, and we'll see you then. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening Nerds. today's episode is sponsored by nerd wallet smart money podcast ready to expand your financial game nerd wallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments finding your next credit card and setting a budget that works for you score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.